UFC 162, the Fan Expo, and so much to talk about. You are listening to Verbal Tap, the show that proves fighting is easier from outside the cage. I'm Kevin. With me, the man who's still in Vegas, Raph Esparza. Raph, how are you doing tonight? Um, I'm still here. You're still here. That's good. That's good. Yeah. You guys will see in a preview that we're about to release on the website, but uh, Raph just barely made it back in time and was conscious. What time did you go to sleep this morning? I don't think you want to know. <laughs> I think you... You know what? I texted you right before. I you did. That's why I'm asking you the question. <laughs> you texted me around 7.30 my time yes. saying that you were going to bed, which would put you in bed somewhere around the 5 o'clock range. I'm not going to confirm or deny that. That's what you're supposed to do in Las Vegas. So, of course, we're going to talk Silva Weidman, and uh, we're going to tease it. And tease is, you know, sort of the theme. Big you're just, shock. You're telling people we're teasing it? Like you oh, really yeah. You're signposting well, I thought it. Well, I thought it was a nice play on the word tease. We're going to try and not get knocked out halfway through it, though, before we get to that part. So I did text you right before the fight that just said I had butterflies. Yeah, and uh, I'll talk about what was happening to me when that that actually went down. But it was it was strange, and we're we're gonna talk like we have a whole amount of time that we have dedicated to just that topic. So don't you guys worry. But before we get to that, you guys and may I let's introduce yes, the uh, third he's just standing here waiting to be introduced. Standing there, yes. He what, he's Where's... standing. He's got his hands on his hips, just being like, "All right, Kevin, stop being a dick. I know you're jealous of me, John Evans from BJJBreakdown.com is Correct. here with us. He's with you." He's with us, metaphorically, because I still consider us a team, but you two are very clear that out there... (laughs) What's going on, John? How's Vegas treating you? how's it going? Uh, I I thought I heard you say BJJBreakdown.com. I came running. (laughs) (laughs) We're working on a bat signal, but it's way more expensive than just a bat, because as you know, there are a lot of characters in BJJBreakdown.com. You guys need to start telling me everything from the Fan Expo. What's it like as you two are on the ground deployed to UFC's biggest week? This is the biggest week for them. Yeah, What's going on? It was the most – it was a, a split of the most exciting and the most confusing at the exact same time, now, if that makes any sense. It does make a lot of sense, and you know I'm going to ask this just because of my nerdiness. I always – you know – organizations like the UFC are still relatively new in the grand scheme of things of what it means to handle PR, press, social media, like every day it gets bigger. Yeah. Um, you know, more jackasses with microphones are creating podcasts and different things. Like us. So there's a, that, was, that was my text. That was my phone. My, my apologies to the fans. I like that that happened exactly as you were talking about those jackasses who have podcasts that just randomly pop up. Yeah, Unprofessional. Well, times, obviously right? planned. Why was it disorganized? Why, what was chaotic about it? It's not so much that the event is in disarray. It's more so that the fans drive it. So if you have crazy fans who are attacking fighters, 
they're in control. And the whole thing is very fan-friendly. So it is very nice to give fans that ability to go and, like, meet some of their favorite fighters. But, like, I saw some people who were waiting for, like, Cain Velasquez at the Golden Nugget to get some, like, uh, signed gloves. The Golden Nugget. That's great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they were waiting to get some signed gloves, and a UFC person, like, told them, like, hey, we're past capacity and nobody's going to get in past that time. And this guy who has undoubtedly 19 Mexican children just goes, no, but I need these gloves to be signed. And it's terrifying in that uh, that regard. But a lot of the fighters really do a good job. Like, they spend time, uh, a good amount with people. They, they sign just about everything. I think their poor hands are, like, cramped now from it. Um, but, yeah, the, the fans can be crazy and they can sway it. And some people go to a lot of things and uh, make big fan events. Like, Chael Sonnen had a big turnout. And then sure. some people don't go to Jay Glazer's thing. <laughs> Quick side note, since he's here to be our technical expert, John Evans, does signing a lot of autographs cramp your hand, do you know? Yes. Perfect. Yes, it does. Perfect answer, John. Thank you. Raph, back to you. <laughs> How bad does a cramped hand impede your ability to pull off a submission? Um... Not horribly. Mm. So if if oh, the fans cool. really want that autograph, they shouldn't feel bad. They okay. should just come right up, and I'll be I'll I'll uh, trudge through. Okay, because I'm just thinking like we wouldn't want the fans to like cost you a match. Would you like afterwards after a competition just go, guys? I had that Kimura. Well, I'll probably still blame it on the fans. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Coming in the future, John Evans' <laughs> shortest line for an autograph session ever. And more conspiracy theories about carpal tunnel in the UFC. Yes. So, okay, now start telling me about some of the excitement. You already drifted into Chael Sonnen, whom I'm assume, I assume he, John Jones, and Anderson Silva just have huge flocks of people waiting uh, for them at all times. Yeah, and I didn't even get to see all of Chael's thing. Uh, I just saw like a, a smidge of Chael talking, and, and it, it was interesting because there's so much stuff happening at the expo. You just have to keep your wits about you because fighters are just walking everywhere. Like some of them are being handled by the UFC and being like, hey, you need to go to this booth. And like I ran into Jimmy Quinlan just randomly. And uh, because Jimmy had never actually, uh, you know, met us, he just knew we were those jerks who told jokes about the yeah. ultimate fighter like the minute he like put it one and one together he saw me wearing a verbal tap t-shirt and he's like oh hey good to see you and i'm like is it <laughs> it's, uh, thanks i mean yeah it's great to see you too i guess That's cool, dude, cool, it's cool um but yeah like uh you just turn around and there's something happening everywhere and so all of these different vendors take out spots at the expo and like, they get certain uh, fighters vendor, you come. mean Muscle Farm. Yes, and a lot of other ones. John, what was one of your favorite uh, vendors that you saw there? Um, I've really liked Harley Davidson (laughs) because they had this ridiculous, like, monster truck thing. Yeah. It was was like a weird UFC on wheels slash (laughs) Harley Davidson marketing. Just imagine the world's biggest Humvee. Okay. And slash tank. Slash tank. 
then times it by the size of two and put TVs on the sides of that car that are playing UFC, surrounded by motorcycles. It was incredible. It was a beautiful thing. It took up so much space. It didn't make any sense. It, it really felt like America. It was Fourth of July for sure. It did. I thought it was going to transform into like Optimus Prime at some point. That's how big it was. Most obscure product. Was there a product you saw that you were like, what the fuck is I've never heard of that. You know, we had a few. Um, but there was one guy. Uh, I forget. He started one of those. Um, Cults? Yes. We had a cult there. They were great. <laughs> it was it was well attended, but nobody really left it. Okay. The interesting thing is when this guy, he started his own scoring system. So he has an app that you can go and score your own thing. And it's kind of like our friends, uh, you score it on Twitter. But he did his own version. And he created his own point system on how to score a fight based on his own criteria. And uh, I actually got a chance to interview him. So we're, we're going to throw all, like, some of these videos up that I got with uh, some of the, the Vendo experts. But this poor guy, I went up to him and I was like, hey, dude, we're going to have fun at your expense. Are you cool with that? And he goes, yeah. Yeah, it's a good, good sport. Yeah, and at one point I might have told him as he was telling me, he's like, yeah, I developed this whole thing and it's it's great and I, I really am excited about doing this and I love when people – Sign in and, and show you how many points that you can lose if you do this or how many points you get if you do this in a round. And I go, so you clearly hate your family. And it's kind of like, uh, and I go, because you invented something to do to take you away from spending any time from them. And he's like, funny story, my wife. And I'm like, not funny story. You killed your wife. Clearly, this is what's happened. And he was great. He actually went with every joke I threw at him. <laughs> Uh, so that was kind of weird. We had one guy who was selling, like, geese, and I went to go ask him. I'm like, oh, can you tell me about your geese? And he didn't speak a lick of English. He just goes, oh, oh, no. I go, this can't do well for your business. Like, I just want to ask you, what is this gee made out of? Thank, thank you. All right. Well, Did he good. by chance speak Portuguese? I don't want to tell you. Okay, just ask. There are a few geek vendors, so I don't want to give away which one was bad, you know? Sure. Yeah. The, oh. Which one had trouble communicating? Yeah. What is your... Are you guys at Fan Expo as press, or are you there just as fans? That was one thing I was curious about. Raph was there just as a fan, but uh, the rest of us were there as press, actually doing <laughs> real work and you know, not harassing the fighters for autographs. <laughs> No, I was there as press as well as John is being a dick right now. Yeah, no, come yeah. on. Raph, we all I saw your twenty eight selfies you took with different people you could find around the ski. You couldn't even get someone to take a picture. So yeah, if you ever want to see Raph's personal inventory picture book, it's uh him with an arm around every cardboard cutout you could find in Las Vegas. You're so What's... stupid, Kevin. You're just absolutely stupid. I dare someone to find a selfie of me that I took at the UFC Fan Expo. UFC Fan Expo selfies. <laughs> so you're there as press. Does that yeah. get you any backstage access to some of these guys? Or is it pretty much they're really sticklers about this is for the fans? They really make a concerted effort to say the fighters are for the fans. 
Um, and they give you a little bit of a window to go shoot stuff. So that's, you know, it's a, it's a nice thing. They give you some time. They send you up with somebody who's like, hey, you know, we're going to watch them. Make sure you're not being crazy and, and making anything look ridiculous, which I was like, ooh, we really need one of those. And uh, they were cool. They, like, let us walk around. And the fighters, if you do run into a couple, they kind of let you, like, chat with them. But you're not, you're not supposed to take them away from any of the fans. So it was cool because the fighters get it, and they're really cool about it, and everybody's super agreeable and super happy. Like, that's the weirdest part about this experience because so many times with fighters, everybody comes up to them and is just like, I hate you. But this is a, like, super positive event. That's what I kept seeing about that. Was that something you saw, John? Yeah, no, definitely. Everyone was there. Uh, they were just there as fans. They weren't there to, you know, it was much different in the actual arena when the fights were going on and people booing and being kind of jackasses to you know normal fan stuff at the expo everyone was just super happy to see all the fighters and uh, the fighters also were very gracious with their time and yeah it was it was a cool event a lot of crying a lot of i love yous uh, yeah and then raft left the hotel <laughs> so it's- uh no, go ahead. I'm going to go ahead. It's all in one location? There's no, is there multiple ballrooms, or is there literally just one ballroom that's big enough for this thing? It's one ballroom that's big enough. Uh, it's the Mandalay Crazy. Bay uh, Expo course. Center. So okay. it's just super opened up, and uh, they even didn't use full capacity of it. And they they broke some things up. Like the Gracies had a seminar that was downstairs in a smaller version of a room, but that was really one of the only things they broke up, uh, okay. which is cool because you got to see, like, a hundred people on the mats with the Gracies and you got to hear uh, Henner just being like, no, but the essence of like this move is when you do it, you are learning, but you are learning about jujitsu and life. <laughs> and I was like, guys, I think I just discovered the tree of life right now. Like right now, this all happened. Since you took it to the mats, Grappler's Quest, part of the Fan Expo, tell me, did you guys get to go see it? Yes, we did, and John was live on the scene reporting from that. I was live on the scene reporting. Uh, there were some really good fights. There's a bunch of super fights. There was there were a couple that were from UFC fighters. We had uh, Dodson versus Jorgensen, and it was just no-gi grappling, so it was really interesting to see them in that type of a, a venue where there's no striking allowed to see how how skilled these guys are on the ground. I was actually pretty impressed. Uh, Cole Miller also fought Jim Miller. Yeah, Jim Miller. And that was fantastic fight. So was the, the Jorgensen one was as well. Um, and then we were able to interview some of the fighters afterwards. There were big jujitsu names too, like Dean Lister was there, Joao Assis, uh, LaPella fought, hmm, who else fought? Jeff Glover. Uh, awesome, awesome job. Uh, I, I love watching Jeff Glover fight, so that's awesome. Oh, yeah, it was great. Well, Such not only that, but John got to speak with him. I did. I got I got a little post-fight interview with him after he competed. So just a great guy, and uh, like you said, very, very exciting. So it was awesome. Uh, big turnout, too. Really surprised. A bunch of my teammates were up there refing, and I think some of them were competing as well, so had a bunch of family in the neighborhood. It was really cool. That's awesome. How do you resist getting on the mats? What's the strategy? Uh, you don't. You just get out there. 
You just saw, I saw <laughs> Dean Lister, and I'm like, uh, that's it. Rolling, rolling toe hold. I'm going for it. And he couldn't stop it. So uh, I'm going to tap wonder, this like, mother. I did wonder. I was like, I this is unusual for Evans to just beat someone up naturally, but it, yeah. it just happened, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I know Dean's a lot bigger than me, and probably yeah. a lot better than I am, too, but... No, uh, I'm sure he would fall for a, a toe lock. That seems, he, uh... Yeah, yeah. Actually, can, can, we, heel. can we say something real quick? Mm. What was the most unique thing that you saw Dean Lister do during the matches? So, I got an interview with Dean Lister as well, post-fight, and he mentioned this too, because I'm glad he did, because it was the uh, it was the gorilla in the room. <laughs> because in the match, his goal was clear. He wanted to footlock the crap out of his opponent, and he was in the finals. And he did not want to play the takedown game so much. I mean, he'd come up on a single leg. He he would do he would uh, allow his opponent to come up on a single leg as well. Um, he would do the the basics of the takedown game, but he really wanted to be in half guard. He w- really wanted to go for footlocks, uh, and if he was on top, he he would work it out from there as well. But uh, he, because he was so hesitant to stand up, at one point he was on all fours, and he was just kind of it just looked a little weird. He was just running around on all fours, and he started barking like a dog, and. it's it's really everyone in the crowd was like did did i just hear that i I, i'm not sure what just happened what was the strategy i I don't know but that's the thing though dean lister is such high level jujitsu that then you're like well maybe maybe there's something to this should i be barking maybe this is the new style it's bark style so kev i think john and i decided that when we go back uh, to Valley Martial Arts this week. The I will be, Mac! <laughs> I will be utilizing barking as part of my new arsenal to see what happens. I invite Rap, I'm, you... I'm 100% behind the idea, and I think you should, but I do need you to videotape that so we can <laughs> we'll show the see. world. It, I'll, I'll get it on video. I'm sure John will get it on video, whether I know it or not. But I'll tell you this, Kevin, I give that to you for your competition. It's true. I'll, if I don't see Bark Style coming out of you <laughs> for your next tournament, I'm going to be disappointed. John's entire BJJ breakdown of your match is going to be, well, Kevin didn't bark at this point, and that's why he lost. That's it. And then just keep pointing out opportunities where I could have stopped <laughs> and like uh, left off for a nice... It's like right there where you have two hands on the ground. You could have broken off into a full bark. Zero <laughs> problems. Yep. True. I mean, it's a foregone conclusion. We know you're not going to do it now. Yeah. You're already upset about it, <laughs> and you're going to lose because of it. Well, sorry. Sorry, Kev. <laughs> I but appreciate it. The Go other ahead. thing is, with the Grappler's Quest, it was cool to see it. It was a nice inclusion into the expo. Like, it made... Like, I like seeing things that make an expo come alive and are active. And so when you get to see UFC fighters actually participating in it, it just makes it seem all the more exciting because you almost are seeing fights, but you're seeing a version of uh, the sport that makes it so great. I'm completely with you, and I always love because they release them on YouTube, and you get to end up just seeing some really cool people fight that you wouldn't normally. 
And if you're kind of a grappling nerd, which a good chunk of people that are MMA nerds are, you're you just want to see the the grappling side of it too. So I yeah, that sounds cool. And did you guys by chance steal me a rash guard that they're no. giving out? They they were giving out a rash guard there. Did you uh-huh. contemplate stealing me a rash guard? Did you think you know? size somebody up was the barker my size you could have attacked him (laughs) (laughs) uh well no you you are like five sizes too short uh for that that size but i'll i'll tell you this much man uh there's definitely so much free clothing and t-shirts and stuff being thrown around that you almost start stealing them you almost just start taking them from people and being like oh yep those gloves are mine it, you know how it, you know how like expos with like IT firms, they give away like little yeah, different apps or calculators or things or like you know IT gadgets. I was really hoping it was going to be roughly the same thing. You guys are going to walk out with like fifty rash guards, <laughs> uh, a few different pairs of board shorts. Just be like, I got, I couldn't walk five feet without getting a free gi top just handed to me or patches. I don't know. Would, Did I guess they awesome. don't give out. <laughs> Kevin, when we put together our verbal tap expo, that'll be one of the requirements that yeah. we do. We'll get the guy that doesn't speak English there. <laughs> we struggle oh, nice rapport with him. Yeah, I'm happy to suggest. I want to audition that person. Mm-hmm. All right, gentlemen, we're 21 minutes in, which gives me a great chance to stop and remind people, if you're listening to the show via iTunes, head on over, give us a little bit of a rating. Just so we can uh, know you're out no, there. Kevin, feel don't some... say a little bit of a rating. We don't want a lot of bit of a rating. Like, well, I don't want them to feel daunted by the work. I want it to be an easy task. I'm just when thinking, you say a little, little bit a of a rating, bit. it sounds like, you know, just give us like a star. Like, give us five stars. Look, Gestapo, I'm not going to tell people how to vote. Don't call me a Gestapo. You're a Gestapo, Gestapo. Look, I'm telling you, don't tell people to lowly rate us. I was not telling them to lowly rate us. Look, but you're literally telling them to lowly rate us because you don't know what the language of the king's English sounds like. Yeah, Raf just said that out loud, so that's That's a great turning point. Because I'm trying to tell you, you're a fucking idiot. Wait, Vegas makes him aggressive. But find out his softer side over at verbaltapcast.com and follow us on Twitter. Verbal Tapcast, you can hear all of Raf and occasionally Mai's hilarious comments about what's going on. Gentlemen, are you ready to transition to the main event? If you're talking about UFC 162, then yes. I am talking about UFC 162, and we're going to have to lead off. Okay. We have to with the moment that everybody's screaming and trying to understand what happened in that... that moment where Anderson Silva gets knocked out by Chris Weidman. Okay, let me let me first start by telling you this. So I'm in the uh, arena, and when the pre-package starts and the video is rolling for Chris Weidman, I'm starting to get excited. Like I'm I'm really now feeling I'm going to see this fight, and I'm really happy it's going to happen. And the lights go down, and Tom Petty's I won't back down starts playing and I swear to God, Kev, when the lights went completely dark, I got a chill, like a real, like the hairs on the back of my neck started like standing up 
it's that moment that you're just super excited. And I've been to tons of fights, but that was the first time that's ever happened. And it felt like something weird was in the air. Now, this is how I knew it was more than just a random occurrence. Because moments after I was like, this feels like a weird chill is in the air. Kevin texted me and just wrote, butterflies. And I'm like, I'm not alone. Kevin and I now have twin power. We now feel the exact same, like, feeling. And he's not even in the arena. So, like, it's not crazy. There's something weird in the air. Something's going to happen. And, and boy, did it. There was uh, a weird electricity to everything from Anderson Silva's walkout to just the way his face looked. It just felt like something weird and unexpected was about to happen. Now, that's just us. John, did, what did you feel as the fight was starting? Yeah, I mean, same same thing. Honestly, we weren't sitting next to each no. other. Uh, so I, By my preference. <laughs> yeah, see? He, yeah, so I was like, sit him further away from me, please. That was, yeah, it was beautiful. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it worked out for the best because then I didn't have to sit next to you as well. So, yeah. But uh, being in a completely different area... Yeah, I mean, I felt the same exact thing. The the crowd was crazy. People, yeah. everyone around me stood up. Yeah, just for the walk in, and they didn't sit back down. Yeah, probably till halfway through. I don't know. Yeah, the first minute, two yeah. minutes, something like that. It was just nuts. It was it was really weird to see. Now, Kevin, walk us through what it was that you saw on TV, and I'll tell you what it looked like live. In the fight, or as they're walking out. No, once now we're in the fight. Gotcha. So here's what I saw, and this is kind of my recap on just the fight in general. In the first round, I thought we saw Anderson Silva more lethal and more confident than ever before. Sure, he's doing his stupid intro taunting um, that I guess I had chalked up to. He's just going to do that for the beginning just to sort of really shame this kid before he knocks him out. And the way he was swinging and the punches, it looked like he was in control. Even when he got taken down, his jiu-jitsu just seemed never in compromise, um, very efficiently gets out of it. And then in the second round, it just looked like he okay, was literally wait, wait, wait. going... Let's go to the second round yet. Yeah, there's still more in the first round. He gets taken down. He gets yeah. back up. He really lands some strikes. I When I saw him uh, get taken down, it was a little nerve-wracking. But it wasn't detrimental. Like, you've seen this before, so you know he's going to be really calm. So you, you can kind of – you've seen this before, so you know how to work with it. Uh, one thing that I thought was interesting, and John can speak on this, was was it weird to see Chris Weidman trying for a leg lock? It was. Uh, I was really worried about the whole game plan of, of Weidman going into this uh, – just because I thought, okay, he has the ability. He can make this happen. He can finish. But when he took him down, I, I, was, uh, I thought, okay, here, here we go. He's really he's putting it together. He's doing the right stuff. And let's, let's see him follow through with this. And then he goes for a footlock. He goes for that knee bar off of, uh, I think he was in half guard, top half guard. And he spins around for... For a, a knee bar, and it's just unless you are a leg lock specialist, and that's you know, it, it, unless you're Dean Lister, yeah, aside from the barking, <laughs> you 
typically when you're on top and and it's MMA, if you're on top, you do not want to give up that top position. You want to beat the living daylights out of the guy below you, and you want to keep him there. Yeah. Going for a leg lock not only allows your opponent to come up if you don't finish, because basically it's do or die. You have to finish. If you do not finish and it's not your specialty, you probably shouldn't be risking it, then not only do they get the opportunity to come on top, but they can also punch you in the face yeah. a lot. It's a lot of, to sacrifice, essentially, yes. in that position. For, for just, I mean, you throw that up as a Hail Mary if nothing else works sure. at the end. <laughs> but uh, you're on top, and you're a good grappler, and you've got a, a distinct advantage yeah. on the ground, which I, I believe uh, Weidman had, then you just tee off. But that was the interesting thing. I mean, Anderson literally just flexed out of it. So again, all pretty normal. We've seen that before. It's all kind of amazing. Now, Kevin, I didn't see what you're talking about with Anderson being so dominant until this point when he had gotten up and it looked like he had given Weidman enough to feel a, a false sense of confidence at this point and now starts to go in for his strikes and is uh, getting a couple leg kicks. At one point, he gets pushed up against the cage a little bit. He goes out of it like turns out of it, and then says, nah, let's go back right over there. And you're like, what's the fuck? What is happening? And it's just insane because you see Anderson now starting to feel his timing and doing his normal thing. And that's one of his best attributes is he usually feels everybody's timing. And when he does it, that's when he does his clowning nonsense. And that's why people haven't been able to knock him out in so long. So when we finally get around to it, the end of the, the – first round happens and i literally text this and i mean this in every way possible everybody was standing on their feet and i tweeted out i don't understand mma anymore i just don't i have no idea what's happening this is amazing everybody's enthralled because it's so exciting to see at the end of that first round weidman looked terrified silva looked insane and i didn't have the ability to breathe like a human being like yeah. seven but she clinches later. It was just the air finally came rushing back to me as a necessity because the Why first did you round have to count after the fourth. But she just being clenched. specific is, is four. Is that is, is seven that your you lucky number counting? though? Well, two's like a that was a great that was a good round. Uh, so seven's off the charts. Seven's unheard of. That's it's Kevin's BC meter. You haven't yeah. You don't know yeah. this. Oh, I, you know, I don't. But. John, I hate to correct you on air, but it's actually BCC, uh, but she clinches. But that's not a big deal. I do appreciate Sorry. it. You know, Sorry. Yeah. Not, uh, check it out at bccbreakdown.com. So, Kevin, keep going. The fight, fi the first round finishes, and I don't even remember what was happening before yeah. they get to that final position where it looked like an improv team had taken over <laughs> for Silva's corner. Yeah. And they were now, like, handing him genres. And the genre they handed him was, hey, look knocked out, but do it ca cartoonishly. <laughs> well, now we're getting into where the very pro-Brazilian crowd that we had there, who, by the way, only moments earlier had done the wave during a Hodger Gracie and Tim Kennedy fight. So they're feeling extra special <laughs> from, and rowdy. From, like, a whole round. Yeah, for a they're whole still round, on a soccer like, high. They're, well, you know... Give him a few. I tweeted at uh, Jimmy Quinlan. I was like, I'm pretty sure they thought soccer was happening somewhere in that arena, and that's why they did the wave. 
But, uh, you know, so the second round starts, and again, kind of pro-normal. Anderson's got his confidence, he knows his timing, but there's an interesting difference that I saw, which was he wasn't connecting either. Like, he was getting a few strikes, but even his own precision striking was a little off. And the interesting thing that Chris Weidman said in the post-presser was he was watching Anderson's hips. And that's what gave it away from him because he saw that and was able to make a counter when he missed with one of his lead. Uh, I think it was like a lead just jab. Uh, he was able to correct himself and come back in to essentially catch Anderson as he's doing that. It was the most amazing thing to see. And you knew that at some point something like that had to happen. It just always seemed impossible. But now we get into the debate. Yeah. Who lost that fight? I, I wrote multiple things down. Strategy, board, <laughs> conspiracy theory. My personal favorite is maybe he was just heat-checking himself. <laughs> In basketball, when someone gets so hot that they don't think they can miss, they'll throw up like an absurd shot, and it's called a heat check. Mm -hmm. I was like, maybe Silva is just thinks he's invincible and was like, I have to check this. I have to see if I physically am <laughs> invincible inside the octagon. That's not too dissimilar from the way he acts all the time and when he feels that he doesn't have an opponent that's up to his caliber as it looked like he was doing because he was in Chris Weidman's mind at the end of that first round. Oh, without question. That There's a look that Weidman had as he was coming back to his corner where he just looked like, what the fuck? What the fuck just happened to me in that last minute? And actually... I think he quoted Chael Sonner. Somebody ch uh, quoted Chael Sonner where they said, you get that Medusa moment when you fight Anderson Silva because you look at him and you just like, he does those like big eyes like, yeah, you just stared into the face of Medusa. Now you're going to fucking die. <laughs> uh, and it, it would look like it was happening, but it, that round in between gave him the chance to recalibrate. So the idea then becomes, did Anderson Silva just lose a fight for being a super dick and that's the entire blame of it? Or was everything that we feeling like we were feeling as part of the build, like the chills, the like super excitement, the standing up? That's a really tricky question that I don't know that fans know the answer to. Because I know that some fans are so pure in the sport, they just go, fuck him. He's, he's ruined his fucking legacy. Like, he's still the fucking best in the world. Even at the end of the night, Dana's like, yeah, whatever. In a rematch, Anderson Silva is still the favorite because no one has convinced themselves that Anderson Silva did actually put the best show he could have on last night. Let me ask you both this question. John, sure. I'm going to start with you. At the end of this fight, did you feel satisfied? Uh, you know, it, during the first round and, and towards the end of it, I, I, I think maybe after the first round I texted Raph and I asked yeah. him, I said, is this fight a work? Because it looks fake. It looks like it looks like pro wrestling. It did. Like they had a predetermined outcome, and then they could go in there and do whatever the hell they wanted to do, and they still knew it was going to end a certain way, and that's the way it honestly looked to me. I mean, we've seen him showboat before, and we've seen him do his rope-a-dope and, uh, you know, his normal shtick, but this was like to the nth degree. It just uh, it didn't, it didn't even look stop. He it just didn't stop. stop doing it. And it, it was just crazy, too. Like, he was really, really playful with it. Like, it was, I don't know, it was just, a, the whole thing was surreal. And then to see him do his his whole acting thing, or it, it, 
he pretended like he got hit and was loopy, but then to really get hit and then, I don't know, it was just so weird. And then afterwards they asked him, do, you know, do you want this rematch? And he was, said no. And it's just that whole thing. And I could definitely yeah. see the whole conspiracy theory side of it because it was, it really seemed just surreal and planned. Uh, so I, I totally understand that aspect of it. Speaking of conspiracies, Kevin, go. Do you think there is some conspiracy? Like, what is the weirdest conspiracy theory you have about this? Without question. You know I've already been working on this. <laughs> Probably, yes. I'm He's... sure you stayed up and, like, wrote, like, the Unabomber last night. All you can think of when you watch this fight is, okay, Anderson Silva's thrown convention out of the window before, but always in a measurable way. I and disagree with that, but go ahead. This one had no measurement. There was no there was no measurement in the world that was like, oh, well, that makes sense. And all he has to lose is this streak that he just doesn't really even seem to care about. So my craziest conspiracy theory is, in an attempt... Is that him on the phone right now? <laughs> Are we nervous that perhaps he's calling mid... He's trying to get the biggest fight the UFC has ever recorded in history. And he's trying to do it in Brazil. And this is just part of his subtle protest for the Brazilian people to try and build them up. And that the government has been in on it. Dana White and Barack well, Obama worked this out so that this can help the Brazilian people. What? Oh, yeah. That was what you did. Well, I should mention that I had three frozen Red Bull and vodkas yesterday okay. evening, and I'm talking late. Frozen. Frozen. And the missing ingredient in making that drink both delicious and lethal was freezing it because <laughs> it was amazing. Why did you choose to do that to yourself? Because it tasted like a rage slushy, and I'm an adult. It's hard to stay awake past, like, 7, and I was at the Nats game with some friends. Nats is code for nationals. Yes, Look, it's yes. not important how my mind reached this approximation. But that was your that biggest conspiracy theory that you had, was that this was put on by the government. Can anyone top it? Uh, no, I'm not going to try to, because it's too stupid to do. <laughs> but I definitely did start a hashtag with it which was anderson silva conspiracy theories and i'm gonna keep this going yeah i think it's good i would have just made it silva conspiracy theories because of the spelling challenges i encounter on a daily basis but this I, is true but i and can it appreciate is it. more characters to use but i think if you qualify as anderson silva at least people really know who you're talking about one of the things i thought was true there are uh, like 70 silvas in the, in the yeah. which silva bigfoot <laughs> Uh, but there's a great moment where I thought, you know what, maybe, just maybe, Anderson Silva took uh, a listing of Limp Biscuits rolling a little too literally because Fred Durst was at the expo. Yeah. And if you do listen to the song Rollin', which they do play a lot at UFC events, they do say hands up, hands down. So it might be a little confusing. I, it, it's true. The Durst. I mean, when I think UFC, mm -hmm. first I think the official corn stack. Of course. But second, I think Fred Durst. Now, Kevin, why was Fred Durst there signing autographs at a UFC fan expo? Wait, he was signing autographs? Oh, yeah. 
Uh, now I don't know. I was going to say because he's captain of rage music in gyms <laughs> everywhere. Yeah! So the other thing that happens is uh, I really love that Dana in the post-presser conference, and Dana was feeling especially talkative yesterday because that press conference, first of all, started going forever. Then he did a scrum with all the media that I believe is the longest scrum he's ever done. It was and ridiculous. For those who don't know, uh, essentially a scrum is where uh, at the end of a fight, Dana has a come to Jesus moment and all of the reporters flock to him and put a camera in his face and ask him questions for as long as he'll sit there for. And I guarantee you yesterday it went longer than an hour. Really? It was, oh it was so long. And honestly, by the end of it, I think Dana won that scrum versus the media because at the end of it, like everybody had gotten to ask their questions and Dana was just kind of staring at everybody being like, is that it? And I think the press just, like, after a week full of fights and the fan expo just go, we give up. You win, Dana. You fucking win this round. We literally asked you every question about Roy Jones. When does the rematch happen? Where does it happen? I'm just so tired. And none of that is helping with our theory, or at least not even our theory, that that this match felt a little little pre-worked out. I think that people have a nice uh, self-fulfilling kind of thing where they want to feel like it it was a work. What it was to me was a guy who's been so good at clowning other people for so long ultimately got clipped, and it just didn't work. And Silva and Weidman both understand it was a mind game tactic. And for the longest time, Weidman was the guy who put in the time and got to claim victory. So in a way, it was kind of a, you know, a nice vindication for all of these people who are like, he's beatable. It's it's possible. It's just trying to figure out how to get that Rubik's Cube done. And he, and he did it. And it was awesome to see because I know where people want to talk about the legacy. I love watching Anderson Silva win because when he's that crazy, if he had won and Dana kept saying this all night, he's like, if he fucking won doing what he was fucking doing. You guys would be coming out here saying he's the fucking best. Oh, man, he did it again. And it's true. That is true. That's fair. But yeah. That's why I see it as kind of a two-leg thing. But in my brain, I wonder this. What happens with a refocused Anderson Silva? I find that that's a better way of keeping him for those ten fights because I feel that gives us a better sentimentality for him because he's getting up there, and I don't know how long we have that. But I think it's an interesting scenario for him to come back from that, just for us as fans. He's uh, he's 38, isn't he? He's 38. Yeah, I mean, that's for, for a professional athlete. That's, yeah. Uh, any other sport, he'd be yeah. now, a quarterback. But, yes. And, <laughs> and let I, me state officially for the record, I don't think Chris Weidman's better than Anderson Silva. I believe Anderson Silva was the better fighter in the cage that night, and had he taken that fight seriously, he would have pretty probably pretty handily busted up Weidman because he just looked like he could have inflicted damage from a distance without ever putting himself in danger but all that feeds into what's that I don't think anybody would disagree with you on that no I I agree though I'm excited to see him refocused and honestly maybe this is how he was this doesn't in my mind change anything with the super fights I still think the only way to find out who's better is for him and John Jones to fight I got bad news for you Kev not gonna happen after the presser yesterday, Dana White looked like a shroud of, like, 
every pain-filled fan had finally been lifted off of him because he goes, well, now I don't have to put these fucking super fights together because Anderson Silva was the key. It was the greatest out for him ever, and he was excited about it, and it was tough to then realize. Because some people, I think, in the media were trying to push him back and go, well, it'd still be an interesting fight to see. And Dana's like, yeah, but it wouldn't mean the fucking same that it would when it fucking did, you know? So I, I think that's weird. I'll tell you this. This is my biggest conspiracy, okay? Go ahead. I think that might be Anderson Silva calling. Give us a second. Again, he's calling back just to oh. see. He just wants to be like, hey, I heard you talk about me. I want rematch with Raf Sparza. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I think this is my biggest conspiracy theory. Dana talked a little bit about belt psychology, and when you have it, it changes your life. You're that person forever, and you, you're always the champion. You always have to carry yourself like a champion. Your world is crazy, and I can buy that. In a way, it kind of looked like for the longest time, and it really came in last night, that Anderson Silva was like begging someone, take this away from me. And I think he finally got his wish. I mean, and that that really fits in with everything, too, if you think about him not accepting the rematch. Uh, so, uh, I don't know. I think that's uh, maybe he's just done. He's been doing it forever. He's so dominant. He never had a challenge, really. And, you know. <laughs> it's just the weirdest phrasing in the world. Like, oh, so are you done yet? No. Yeah. No, I'm not done. I go out there and compete, and whatever Dana... And this is my favorite thing. So this very pro-Brazilian crowd now is booing Anderson Silva. He's, they go, all right, I'm here talking with Anderson Silva, and boo. And he goes, okay, respect Chris Weidman. He is now the best. Boo. God bless you all. Boo. <laughs> it's like Anderson Silva couldn't convince any fan who ever believed in him like it was like watching uh, a, a hero just fall for some people and uh i had a lot of varied responses we had one guy on twitter just telling us like i'm not watching ufc anymore because he threw that match in a way that was disrespectful for any martial artist and in a way you can maybe make that argument but in another way it's still fucking crazy i, I even tried consoling him i'm like dude let's be real Somebody's going to come along that's another Anderson Silva. Maybe not him, but puts on a great show like that. And he's just like, Mwah, I don't want to. What so. was the energy of the crowd afterwards? Absolutely <laughs> insane. I got ice thrown at me. <laughs> I don't know how it happened. I just know that like I like looked back and I was sitting down and I just felt a pelt of ice the minute Anderson Silva got knocked out. I think it was somebody just throwing their drink. Somebody kicked their beer next to me. I had these really dumb people sitting near me, by the way. Uh, I was saying that John Evans, if he was sitting right next to me, would have lost his mind at the misinformation that was being spread by these people who are just like, at one point, this is my favorite thing they said, they looked at uh, Hodger Gracie and Tim Kennedy, and Tim Kennedy was on top, had like a forearm on Hodger's like, chin. And then you see Kim Winslow, like, stand them back up. And somebody goes, wait, did he just submit Audrey Gracie? And I was like, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility, but use your brain. And 
use what your eyes saw. And if she's just standing them up, sometimes they do that in a fight. And in actuality, I don't know that I would have stood them up at that moment. So, okay. You know, uh, <laughs> that is knowing about the sport and having watched it for years like you have and we all have uh, you look back and, and you look at those fans and you're just like Jesus Christ like this is how could you <laughs> how could you spend the money to come to this thing you know nothing about right but I think about I mean I guess it's been a long time I've been training for a while now but I remember watching the Matt Hughes uh Boyce Gracie film. no which one Matt Hughes um well, I remember watching the, the original Hoist Gracie because yes. those were 20 years ago. Yeah. So, you know, I know, knew nothing about it, and nobody in America really knew anything about yeah. jujitsu then. So it was just weird. It's like, wait, why did they stop the fight, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I remember Matt Hughes versus Carlos Newton, which wasn't okay. that long ago in the grand scheme of things. And when he had him in a triangle choke, I didn't even realize it was a choke. Mm. I thought, I thought uh, Matt Hughes just slammed him, and that was it. But then... Of course, you go back and look at it now, and you see Matt Hughes was unconscious from yeah. that choke. <laughs> and so I think, oh, okay. So I, I was there, too. It's just been a long time. So. But at least you had a, a kind of definite finish. Like, something was happening in yours. Whereas these people just, like, looked up, and then they get stood back up to fight. But they're still asking a question that's like, I don't know what happened. I think he tapped him out, but they're letting him fight still. It's like, well, it's Audrey Gracie. It's possible. Okay. Maybe you like, you get your first <laughs> tap free. <laughs> yeah, like fighting. Last name's Gracie. You get like a mental darse or something. Here's so the... we're transitioning to them now. Yes. Any last thoughts on Silva Weidman? Uh, you know what, man? I I think it's one of those cornerstones in sports, and I, as confused as I was still seeing it, like my eyes saw what they saw, but they don't know what they saw. Uh, I'm still really happy I got to see it live. I've always wanted to see Anderson Silva fight. I still would like to see him fight live, <laughs> but I, I there's something about it that I will never forget being there in that moment, and I think that that happened for a lot of fans. And that's why when you ask what the spectacle was like, I had a lot of texts from my friends asking me what happened and can you explain this? And I was like, honestly, I don't know. Like, I don't know what the fuck I just saw. It, it was, was the weirdest, most exciting, crazy <laughs> fucking nonsense i've ever seen yeah i don't know if that came uh came across on tv but it was it was just bizarre the whole thing was bizarre and crazy and fantastic yeah but it just just unreal it is a really unusual turn of events just the whole thing the whole night yeah uh, i signed the night off with a text that just said feels weird hashtag <laughs> ufc162 and that sounds like uh that sort of sums up our our final thoughts yeah, yeah. I'm excited to talk about just to give them the props they deserve. Edgar versus Oliveira. Yes. What that a was fight. A great fight. Are um, they made of rubber? Have we checked to make sure that they're not made of rubber? This is again another one of those moments where I wish I was actually sitting next to John because when John will be like, "All right, we're going to do our technical stand up." And you do your version when you're like training and like at practice and whatever. And then you see the version they do after getting knocked the fuck down and the speed in which they're getting back up. I'm like, fuck it, I quit. I'm not going back to jujitsu. It's too fast. These people are too tiny and they're hitting each other and they look like they still hurt. And Frankie's boxing 
was awesome. Those angles that he finds are the most consistently exciting to watch. Yeah, I man, that fight was just bonkers. It, uh, Oliveira, being a jiu-jitsu guy, I, I was impressed because Edgar, his striking has come so far, and, and you really see when he goes up against, he's been fighting a lot of people that are very good in the striking department. Yeah. So you don't get to see him shine as much, even though you still do, because you know he's not necessarily a power puncher. He's not one of those guys that has that one Super punch knockout knockout power, power. Yeah. Uh, but he he can knock you out for yeah. sure uh, if he if he places a punch properly yeah. you're gonna go to sleep uh, but w- with a high caliber opponent like he always faces being always in a title fight of some kind mm-hmm. uh, he you just never see a huge striking disparity especially because he's so good with the grappling too so it, it wouldn't uh, you wouldn't see a one-dimensional fighter even make it to him or do well against him. Yeah. But we had Oliveira, and I looked at Oliveira much more as a one-dimensional fighter. And I have to say, even though Frankie way outclassed him, yeah. he he held his own, and this guy's got a chin Yeah, because he took some punishment. Yeah. Frankie was crisp. He had this great uh, – I was actually able to talk to John Danaher, who's his grappling coach nice. at Hensel Gracie Black Belt, uh, afterwards at the press conference and – um, we were just both talking about how amazing his hands are mm. and how he's, you just don't really have to worry about him. Yeah. Like Danner, the, the, basically what he implied is that it's just a, a carefree being his corner to some extent because yeah. he's already doing what you're telling him to do but by and the time it leaves your mouth. Do you guys agree with the decision that I did? I thought it was... Oh, completely. Oh, absolutely. Was, it was a yeah. one-sided fight. Uh, Oliveira known for if, submitting from guard and Frankie Edgar able to keep uh, inside control is, yeah. is uh, not side control, but inside control. Yeah. Keep being on the inside, hands-wise, mm-hmm. is really, really important, especially when a guy has a good close guard where they make a lot of their attacks triangles, specifically mm-hmm. in arm bars, off of an overhook. And if you have inside control, you, if you're on the bottom, you're going to be able to make that uh, make the overhook. And if you're in... Uh, if you have inside control and you're on the top, then you prevent all those overhooks from happening in the first place. And Frankie Edgar did a great job of that. Even when he did get overhooked, he could limp mm-hmm. arm out. Yeah. And uh, so he just really stifled yeah. Oliver's game. So I, I thought he, he definitely he was dominant the whole fight. Gracie gets defeated by Tim Kennedy. Another really awesome fight. Uh, you know, it was it had moments for me. I liked the first round for Hodger. Mm-hmm. I actually like, you know, I thought it was a competitive first round. Uh, it, but I was starting to get a little worried about how they were going to define the strikes in that first round. Because Hodger really wasn't striking. But just from our jiu-jitsu's perspective, it was cool to watch him trying and setting up things. And uh, I do distinctly remember a, a body triangle happening. Yes, and my first thought is that's the one place I just would never want to be, being because I'm just like that. That looks like an awful time. So Tim Kennedy being able to weather that, uh, and really I, I knew that would be his offensive onslaught in that moment. I said that's going to be Hodgers' best moment to try and close that fight, and it looked like toward the end of that round he was closer. But in the second round, Tim got his bearings back and just came back and, and really put on a nice 
uh, display. The thing that was really interesting was seeing how Tim was realizing he may lose the jiu-jitsu game, but that he could probably win the takedown game. And it was cool to see that happening. And the pressure game. Yep. I thought I thought that was ultimately what really just sort of won him the decision was Kennedy just, just nonstop pressure. Yeah, yeah, that's what he's known for, and I have to say Kennedy did a fantastic job. He did exactly what he should have done going into there, and I love the way he didn't give Hodger respect even at, mm. in, towards round two and three where he was clearly put to Roger, and, and Roger was visibly tired. Yeah. He even attempted to take Hodger's back, and... You don't do that unless you have confidence. Because yeah. <laughs> anyone that's studied Hodger Gracie knows his jiu-jitsu game, knows he's the winningest yeah. jiu-jitsu athlete ever, and his his grappling is just sick. So hats off to Tim Kennedy. He did what he did best, and that's uh, put on a pace that is just unrelenting. And he went out there and did not give Hodger the respect that most people probably would. And one thing I really liked about uh, Tim is first of all during the press conference he just sat there <laughs> like nobody asked him a question at all so i felt really bad like i wanted to get the mic and just be like tim i have a question for you are you okay how you doing man how you doing buddy Mark. Uh, oh go ahead oh i'm just gonna finish this uh but he mentioned uh, you know tim kenny was like i roll with really high level guys and they don't tend to get my back and hodger got my back and he goes, that was, he goes, I'm not used to that, but it was tough and I got through it, but it was, he goes, it was kind of exciting. It's one of those things where you're just like, I can do this. And I think that's one of those moments where I realized he realized he could break it. Yeah, I uh, I, th- I thought that was really interesting too. I'm sure Tim is a great grappler and yeah. I'm sure he trains with great grapplers, yep. but you cannot emulate Hodger Gracie. Nope. Impossible. <laughs> uh, and, and just... Sorry to carry on on this one, just technically, because <laughs> oh man, this this match was. I love Tim Kennedy, but coming from the jujitsu side, it was really hard for me to watch. It looked to me as if, well, first of all, like I don't like the way that they, the gloves for grapplers, yeah, terrible. Yeah, I mean that that could have been a, a finished fight right there mm-hmm. if Hodger didn't have those big bulky gloves. That's that true. Your opponent holds on to. So that for one is 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 crappy about MMA something that needs to change, but I don't even know how they're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing is standing them up when they're on the ground and there's a perceived yeah. lack of activity, which is just nuts to me. That's like, you wouldn't take two box boxers. And if they're not, if they're just throwing more feints than punches, you wouldn't set them on the ground. Yeah. It, it just doesn't make any sense. So why do the opposite? Um, the other thing is, uh, and I talked to Danaher again about that. Cause Danaher, uh, training at Hinzo, with Hodger before he moved to the UK, very good friends. He trained a lot. Um, I asked him about the body triangle. Yeah. Was so, and he said, normally that's done. When yeah. Hodger puts on that body triangle, game over. And yeah. I, I was surprised because I thought maybe he had fallen into that trap of like BJ Penn versus Fitch, mm. where he, uh, I don't think Penn had the body triangle, but he had his legs crossed mm-hmm. uh, when he had the back. And Fitch was able to spin. Yep. And, and come up in guard and the same thing happened, happened there. with Hodger yeah. but uh, I, I know Dan Hurst said that that's usually game over but it just makes me think I mean Hodger's 6'5 Kennedy's not that big yeah. when there's that much space in the legs there even with a body triangle that that spin is always there yeah. and it, that was a bummer to see um, but then uh, the main thing for me was that Hodger looked like he had not trained adequately for for 
constant pressure pressure and constant punches in, intermixed into the grappling because he was getting popped hard yeah. in the face from positions where he seemed a little lackadaisical. Like he wasn't, yeah. he, there's no sense of urgency. He was in turtle and he was just taking the, these punches that he I'm going to have to field captain this one. We are now over our five minute mark with Kennedy and Gracie. I will give you a 20 second ending. That was cool, it, Because I like you, John. Oh, okay. No, I appreciate it. That, that, that was it. I, I was just, it was just a bummer to see. It made me feel like he should have changed his training camp or something was wrong with his training camp. So. But uh, good job for... Yeah, he's going to have to up the intensity. Well, or Kennedy's just insane, one of the two. True. Mark <laughs> Munoz was throwing punches, and he defeated Tim Bush, but he was throwing punches like he was trying to put his fist through <laughs> Tim Bush, yeah. including at one point... He hit him from, like, a full-on top-to-bottom right in the chest. And you could yeah. see Tim was just like, why the fuck are you hitting me so hard <laughs> on my body? That fucking kills. Like, please stop it. I'm no closer to losing. I just don't like you. <laughs> That's what it felt like. How yeah. how loud were they from the auditorium? Because you hear these blows as they're getting landed? Yes. And, you know, I... I said I was going for uh, for Mark Munoz last week, and you know how sometimes you can change your opinion as you get closer to the week and go like I don't know. I just found that the more I heard Mark Munoz talk during the week, the more I w- I just wanted him to win. Okay, and that's good. So you went the opposite. The... You went conservative style. You went American and didn't change your opinion. I love that's it. Right. No matter what people told me. Nope. Doesn't matter what happened all week. America, true 4th of July. But I was looking at him and I just go, you know, I'm so happy he seems back. He's in a good place. When he – dude, I was in the press room when they were doing, like, photos with some of the fighters. He popped back in there, literally takes off his shirt, and dude was so ridiculously ripped that you're like, I couldn't fathom you at 261. (laughs) Just like you're lying to me. You were in one of those magazine ads. You took a pill, and that's the kind of thing that happened. Like, it actually worked. But uh, I, I was really excited. And I knew even when he was kind of in trouble, it was just, it was so exciting to see him get back and, and get control. And uh, I don't know. It was, it was entirely enthralling. And the best part about the post presser was when they said if Chris uh, Weidman you know, wants a rematch and Anderson Silva doesn't want it. They're like, well, then what happens? And you see Mark raise his hand, like, just without any hesitation, like, I'll take it. I'll fight him again. I I'll fight him again. I got no with problem with that. Uh, quick shout out to our 70 year plus audience members. Uh, he did. He did look like on the back of a comic book, the Atlas before and after. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just thought I'd throw that in there. Just, you, you know, the people at Grey Gables or whatever retirement home that are listening. <laughs> listening. John Evans, ladies and gentlemen, because number one in MMA podcasting for the over 70 community, mm-hmm. Cub Swanson defeats Dennis Seaver. John, is this as impressive a win as Cub Swanson needed to sort of get elevated within his division? Uh, I'll tell you what, Kevin. It was... Quite impressive. Uh, I, I was this. This may have been the breakout performance of the night for me. I was shocked. I've seen Cub fight before, and he looks real dominant when he's against 
a, a mismatch, as people tend to do. But uh, then going against better competition, he just seemed to flounder a little bit. Mm. And seeing him against Seaver, who has a perceived huge advantage. Mm -hmm. Oh, striking. yeah, big in striking. Yeah. And to see him just go out there and just put it to yeah. him, like, oh, oh, man. And, and the way that he did it, too, he had that uh, beautiful Harai Goshi mm -hmm. uh, um, judo throw. Oh, where, my God. Oh, it's yeah. like an Uchimata, but you're on the on the far leg. Oh, God. It, I'm not going to lie, Kev. I literally texted John when I saw that, and I was like, teach me that. Oh. <laughs> teach me to always judo throw into mount, please. It, it was Yeah, he, he threw it, and then I think he had a – if I remember correctly, he had an overhook. And that's how he threw it because it's, all those judo throws are hard to do without yeah. a gi, so you have to use overhooks uh, and, and other grips. And so he used the overhook, and he kept the overhook as he threw it. And then when Seaver tried to turn into him and come up mm -hmm. to the knees on a single leg, he did a high step where you pull up the arm and you step high into the crotch of your opponent, and you put your hip weight on their chest, and it pushes them right down to the floor. And that's the way he was able to maintain them out. Even when Seaver was trying to push him off and come up on that single leg again, uh, he was able to use that same technique to maintain the mountain and, and, and using the mix-up of the threat of takedowns and the grappling with his striking. Mm -hmm. Then he was able to uh, take a clear advantage in the striking, too. He just looked yeah. very sharp and uh, on point. It, it was a great, great fight. He's, he's a black belt also in jiu-jitsu, which I was, oh, was I like, okay. That. Yeah, yeah. That, I found that out during the uh, watching on my iPad again. So. I'm, I know he was a good jujitsu guy, but uh, I yeah, didn't know black belt. belt. That makes sense because you see, you see a lot of the grappling in MMA where they'll miss little things that really make a big difference in a mm -hmm. fight, like not doing the arm pull high step to maintain the mount, because that could be the difference if if they if you don't do the high step and and you pull up on the arm to to keep them on their back, that's the difference of you staying in mount and pummeling their face and winning the fight yeah. or them coming into a guard and doing the opposite to you. So it's, I mean, it, it was just, it was great to see somebody get those little things right because yeah. that's what makes for a win. Correct. But yeah. Stoked fight. to see Swanson at 145 though. I think, uh, I think the future's bright for his confidence and his ability. What, so, um, was that quick? That fight was at 145? Yeah. Yes, Seaver is 145. He got down to 145 for this fight, barely. And then was back at 250. Yeah, then he was... They said he was uh, tough. It was a tough... That's what, You know it's bad when they say that. They were like, <laughs> it was a tough weight cut <laughs> for Seaver. And it's like, uh-oh. He's humongous. I can't imagine him at 145. Hmm. Waterweight's a I hell of a did. drug. Yeah. <laughs> Shoutouts to uh, Andrew Craig, who defeats Chris Lieben. Yeah, that fight, uh, I just want to touch really quickly on these these last couple fights, but uh, I had a lot of respect for Lieben. Just, it looked like he was out, and he fought his way back into that. And it's one of those moments where he, he doesn't win, but that was just fucking heart when he got back into that fight. That he, By all means, he shouldn't have been back in, because he zombied his way through a second round. Uh, and, and when that third round looked like it was just done, like you, you, I, I start feeling bad when those moments happen where I'm like, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to see this. Like, this is just someone dying in front of me. That chin is legendary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lieben's hard to knock out. He always has been. 
split decision. All right. Well, Lieben will be back, we hope. Dana seemed a little positive. He, he didn't want to take any of the bait for any retirement talk with Lieben. He just said that he cared about him. So hopefully we get to see him do it again. But Dana just goes, you know, I basically want to just see him, like, wake up every morning and be okay and contribute to society. And yeah. Dana was also really positive about uh, about Lieben yeah. coming into this fight because he said it, he loves to see Lieben healthy and happy, and that's the way Lieben looked. Yeah. And honestly, Lieben, I, I know I'm sure he's super dejected and worried about his career and all of that, but I thought Lieben actually looked much more technical yeah. than we normally see him. I know people talk about his submission game, which is honestly not that great, sorry, right. Lieben. But uh, to see him mix up the striking with the takedowns and yeah. do it pretty well. like In uh, that first round, was, he had some good it, uh, yeah. good starts to his offense. It was, um, I think he needs to keep going that avenue. I know it's hard to take anything good away from a loss like that, but he really did that right, and he needs to keep going with that because he'll, he'll be successful in the yeah. future. Now, Kev, tell me about uh, Norman Park and Tokyo Dome because I was not around for that one. Park versus Tokyo Dome. Uh, unanimous decision. It yeah. was it was a fine fight. I was kind of half watching, and it never really got my full attention. Sadly, Tokyo Dome. Uh, he got hit a lot. Yeah, and, yeah Park and... landed about fifteen strikes every time Tokyo Dome blinked. Yes, thank you. Is what the fight looked like. But somebody who did connect a strike was Gabriel Gonzaga. Can we talk about that very quickly? Big KO over white-sounding name Dave Herman. Fourth fastest knockout in UFC history. Is it really? It was 17 seconds. Yep. He was overhand right as a counter to the leg kick. It, I mean, that was just, it was so fast. I looked up and it was done. It's crazy. But uh, 17... good job for Nepal. I actually, that's funny. 17 seconds is the fourth fastest. I would think it's, I would, I would think, like, well, all of them were the 10 seconds. I'm, I'm actually uh, quoting another journalist, so I never actually researched that. That's just what somebody told me. Somebody them. did say that. And, uh, well, I was surprised, too, when they said that, because yeah. 17 does seem a little, I mean, that's super fast, but yeah. I, we've just seen some of that, I think, were like nine or something yeah. like that. Like, like it, it's, it's up there, but I just love the fact that when they asked him, they're like, uh, in the media room, they just went up to him and they go, how does it feel to have the fourth fastest knockout of all time? And he just goes, good. <laughs> good. I was happy to see Raffaello Oliveira lose <laughs> only because it put a, a small hole in your raps are always winning. They still have a, a very have a good, good record. percentage. Yeah. They do have a fairly good percentage, but Barbosa TK out round two. With leg kicks, right? I it doesn't say in the final yeah. decision. Leg uh, kicks, uh, yeah, yeah I, so right. I, I actually didn't see that fight, but I heard about it. Yeah, uh, just because how often do you see a leg kick finish? It's yeah. great. Um, you can you can always tell when there's a good Muay Thai guy that goes up against someone that hasn't trained yeah. with the leg kicks. It hurts so bad. Yeah, it's, it's always the like, most violent <laughs> knockouts. <laughs> it's it's Melancon defeats Basitsky. <laughs> you know, I wanted to feel better about it, but I think I felt a little melancholy about it. It's yeah. Melonson. Melonsan or something like that. No, That's, I like mine better. Uh, like I'm going to call him Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. <sighs> Mike Pierce wow. defeats David Mitchell TK round two, and that is all of the fights in what was a real 
firework-inspired event. Shut up, Kevin. That's the worst pun you've done it. so far. Happy you July started 4th. it. I started it. A uh, couple quick last notes. Fight of the night went to films. Frankie Edgar and Charles Oliveira with Cub Swanson and Dennis Seaver, uh, like also splitting the honors because they didn't have a submission of the night. Knocked up the night. Dana left it at this. If you can't fucking figure out who got knocked out of the night, well, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> That was nearly verbatim, yeah. honestly. He did, was... But guys, did Anderson Silva get the Emmy for his inspiring performance in From Dusk Till Nobody for that? He he was the drunken master. <laughs> I assumed he got some sort of acting award for his impressions of someone who's asleep. I just, Kev, they I They were think really good. good. Yeah, they were good. I feel like we're going to live in this world for a while. And this is what I realized last night, because John will attest to this. Maybe at about 3 a.m., I started re-piecing the fight back together again because I was like, my mind just doesn't work. Like, <laughs> Best time to do it. Still am trying to like replay it. And I did it like a crime scene where I'm like, I'm Anderson Silva. You're uh, Chris Weidman. Stand right here. So then you come in this way. This didn't happen. And what the fuck? Yeah. Back so, into the left. Yeah. And when your brain just is a little confused like that i think it's just one of those events we're going to talk about for a, a good while like this this event isn't going away i think this is going to be something that people are going to cite for a long while in whatever opinion they have of anderson silver good or bad yeah, ufc it's... 162 is in the books i'm looking forward to your guys's uh, video stuff and just hearing more about it and you can get all of your coverage over at where ref will we get to see some of this you know, some of it is going to be on MMANit.say. Some of it may be in Swedish, so have fun with that, folks. And all Wiedersvein, or whatever and, they say uh, in Swedish. The good folks over at MMANit, that's M-M-A-N-Y-T-T dot S-E, uh, when they put some of the stuff up there, they actually ask for our logo. So it looks like we're going to be uh, getting some credit here at Verbal Tap as well, Kevin. Yeah! Just kind of nice. And we're also going to have some original footage uh, put up for us as well that will be on verbaltapcast.com so keep an eye out for that it's going to be whenever the shit I can get around to that because I've got a show this week and uh, John Evans is actually going to have some of his interviews and grappling uh, matches up there from the super fights that he will be breaking down in due time because guys John Evans is not just a piece of meat he can't just work to whatever expectations you have they'll be up when they're up Performance monkey? Is that what we were calling? Yeah, we were calling it performance monkey. Okay. Evans wants to see the impression I have of him. I do. I do. Yeah. But he, uh, in Raph's immortal words, I'm not a performance monkey. No, I'm not. I'll show it when I show it. That's right. Patience is a virtue. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's time for shout outs? Yes, sir. I'll go first because mine are probably going to be a shorter list. BJJ and MMA Academy out in Chantilly. No concept over in Maryland. Guys, have you not heard about BJJ Finder yet? If you haven't, I don't know why you're listening to the show. I mean, it's it goes hand in hand with everything we're doing. Check out BJJ Finder. Make sure wherever you train is in, registered. It's the world's premier Brazilian jiu-jitsu school locator. Please go over BJJ Finder. Check it out. And I would like to say, Jacob, we all felt unfulfilled by 
UFC 162's main event, and that is his <laughs> shout-out. To yeah. you, good sir, Raph. Uh, I'm going to defer a couple to John, though. John, do you have any shout-outs right now? Was, was that Jacob, like, uh, the jeweler? Is, no. is that... no. It was Jacob, like my friend Jacob, John. Okay, shout-out privileges revoked. That was your one chance. <laughs> Shout-out, Kevin. The jeweler? Yes. Okay. He's Jingleheimer Schmidt. Mm-hmm. I know you guys are blinging out at uh, Verbal Tap cast. Yes, yes. Was that for the over-70 crowd? They love that chest. It's you, you guys have no idea. Oh I know it was God. over your heads, but... <laughs> John, who do you have to shout out today? Um, I want to give a big shout out to Jeff Glover for being an awesome guy, giving me a great interview, and just putting on a great performance always in grappling. And same thing with Dean Lister. Uh, love the bark style, and love the continual attack on Laylocks, and he's just a good guy and gave a great interview as well. And also BJJBreakdown.com, and you can come there and see me breaking down some of the latest in grappling tournament matches good uh i'm gonna go with this i'm gonna go to my cab driver who uh was a really big ufc fan i think he saw me wearing some like ufc credentials and he was just kind of like hey that's what you're doing i'm like yeah he goes that's awesome i'm a huge fan i was like tell you what dude you listen i will shout you out so i'm doing that to you antonio awesome dude really cool Gives a good fare, so if you get a chance, catch up with him. He's a nice guy. Uh, I'd also like to shout out Karen Bryant, who couldn't have been nicer to us. I don't know if you guys follow her. If you watch any MMA, it's very likely that you see her reporting. Uh, She just does some of the best caliber type of reporting that's both personable and informative. I just really liked her. And John and I got the chance to actually talk with her and and her team. She couldn't have been nicer to us. And she doesn't need to be nice to us because who the hell are we? And uh, let's go ahead. MMA Heat, right? MMA Heat is the name of her own uh, reporting. So look that up, you guys. Uh, And we want to shout out to Jimmy Quinlan. Thank you so much, man. We we look forward. We're going to try and get you on the show now because you're a dick. (laughs) And you weren't around at the right time. We were trying to get you on Swedish television. Uh, to our friend Bubba McDaniel, so good to get to see you. We did get to chat with him. We are going to have video of that. We're going to put that up uh, sometime in the near future. And, Kevin, exclusive premiere, we will be able to talk with Bubba before his next fight. We set up a little bit of a time. Big moment. Game changer, Raph, as far as a game changer. Yeah, well, you, you know, he's he's good people, and he's, he's excited to talk to us. And, and he said for me to give you his best and i told him i wouldn't i would give you his worst gotta love that guy he's great he's yeah. a people person he is it's that are we done with your shout outs are i did do valley martial arts so i'll just say it one more time valley martial arts good we people mark. great training uh i'll probably be back there some point this week super rusty and uh very eager to try the new barking method Rafa Sparza, super rusty. I'm, this is Verbal Tap, and I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening. Good night and good fight, everybody.